Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! <laughs> oh! Hello everybody. Today we have a very exciting episode. We have our first guest, first guest on the podcast, a phenomenal streamer by the name of Jiggy. Jiggy, take the floor. Let the people know who you are and what's up. Hey guys, it's uh, it's me, Jiggy. I do a lot of different video game stuff on Twitch. I talk about movies, video games, the industry. Uh, honestly, it's it's just a lot of different uh, different shows every every week on Twitch. I uh, will talk about honestly everything and and never play video games until they yell at me to. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, yes, Jiggy. Um, so Matt has been telling me about your show for for many years now. He's been following for quite some time. Um, you do a lot of single-player stuff. Uh, you do things like Kingdom Hearts and Zelda. Um, and it actually falls completely in line with the way me and Matt play video games. Always looking at, playing, having fun with a lot of great single-player content, which there is still single-player games out there, guys, believe it or not. <laughs> it's not all <laughs> multiplayer online. All Valorant, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so Jiggy, uh, like, what, what brings you to like those kinds of games so much? Why do you stream so much Kingdom Hearts? Why, why did you 100% breath of the wild things like that so uh i love movies movies is like my life it's what i went to school for it's what i want to do i want to make movies i want to tell stories and something that i love about single player games and i bring this back to companies like naughty dog or even nintendo where it's all about the narrative and the world building and i think that that's where single player games really strive and push and yeah you can have narrative and you can have lore and you can have uh character development in multiplayer games. Uh, I'll use Overwatch as a great example. Blizzard did, does a great job of building out those characters and uh, making sure we know who they are or uh, or even like a Rainbow Six Siege, they've been doing a really good job with that kind of thing. But in my opinion, there's nothing like experiencing a single player adventure or, or story that's told through a video game. And the way I've always pushed uh, people when they when they ask me, well, why do you play single player games or why should I play a single player game? It's to experience a basically moving interactive movie, you know, some sort of like yeah. story or, or uh, adventure that characters grow, people change, there's sequels, yep. there's this, there's that. And it's, it's something that really, really uh, moves me. And it's all, all started with just like going all the way back with, uh, <laughs> with uh, The Legend Loving of movies. Zelda, you know, a long time ago <laughs> when I was a kid. So Was that like the first big franchise you got into? Uh, well, actually, the, the first big franchise I got into is Pokemon. It was uh, Pokemon, okay, Pokemon yeah. Gold and Silver on the Game Boy Color. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think my first game actually I ever played, like video game, was Pokemon Crystal. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. But uh, when I was a little bit older, uh, it was you know I mean when you play Pokemon, it's not really about the story back then, especially. Right. But uh, the Legend of Zelda, you know, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. I played them at my friend's house because I, they, you know, he had an N64, and it was just that encapsulizing adventure and that story and who the heck is that guy riding the horse, you know, Ganondorf and it's like all this stuff and it. That's what it kind of moved me into feeling that it's a movie, but I get to play through it, you know? Yep. I, I was a handheld, uh, handheld kid up until the GameCube. I didn't own an N64. My friends did. I played GoldenEye and, you know, Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time yeah. nice. over at their house. And then, the GameCube came around, and uh, I was I was old enough where I was just like, it's time to I gotta I gotta buy that. <laughs> yeah, but and you know, uh, tell our audience how. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. How long have you been streaming for? Uh, I have been broadcasting for around nine years, uh, eight years full time. Um, Damn. So you know, the first year was back when Twitch was called JTV, Justin TV, and it, you know I was in high school, so it was like, yeah, I'm a streamer, but it was like once or <laughs> twice a week, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. like I want to play Minecraft or you know <laughs> something Skyrim. Uh, and then when I be, when I was a, a sophomore, when I was a sophomore in high school, is when I decided that I wanted to really make my own show. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I always loved entertainment. I've always loved like producing and creating content. Um, but I knew that I would not be on the tonight show when I was 16, you know? 
So I wanted my own show and it was right at the beginning of Twitch and I was doing a lot of stuff where I was involved in communities for uh, ch charity events and other uh, people who loved Zelda. That's something we could talk about if you wanted to, but um, it's one of those things where I just decided that I was going to start streaming and I set a schedule and I did it like I think it was three times a week starting off. Nice, nice. Actually, I do I do want the audience to know. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about the uh, charity events that you work on? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I am uh, I'm a producer for uh, several different charities. I work with uh, Direct Relief. Um, I work with St. Jude. I've worked with all, a whole kinds of different charities to create these gaming charity live streams. I started off uh, by working with a company, a group called Kinstone, which is the guys who make Zeldathon. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. Yeah. Um, so twice a year, a whole bunch of us, 80, you know, 90 people get together and we play through the entire Legend of Zelda series on Twitch, raising money for charity. They started it. They pulled me into it. Um, and it's just been such an amazing, amazing opportunity that I've really just grown as a producer and as a creator. And now what I do is I, I help out these charities like Direct Relief, where I go and I gather um, gather these these creators and we put them in a house and then we just put cameras up and then it's, it's I usually help them produce it. Um, it's led to another event that I'm super, super proud of called Pokethon, which is right. uh, basically all of these YouTube slash Twitch streamers that, that play Pokemon, that create Pokemon content. And we brought them all together and we said, let's make the Avengers of Pokemon collapse, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, awesome. I don't know if you, because I've seen you do like the Zillathon and the Pokethon stuff while I've been watching. And it reminds me of like, um, I don't know if you're familiar all with the Smash community, but like a Smash Summit <laughs> where they bring together like all the best players um, to compete over a weekend. And it's like that, but for, you know, Pokemon or Zelda and charity, which is awesome. So, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah. I always love to hear about gamers doing the charitable stuff. Um, it's always great to see uh, the community kind of doing their part. So, Thank you for your service, Jiggy. Love it. <laughs> uh, so the game today that we're discussing, Matt, what are we talking about? So speaking of a Zelda-thon, today <laughs> we are talking about the number one medieval fairy tale simulator, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, <laughs> the latest game, huge. the latest game in a legendary series that everyone has heard of. The Legend of Zelda. It was released on March 3rd, 2017 for the Nintendo Switch and Wii U. It has a perfect score on GameSpot, IGN, Eurogamer, and Famatsu. It has a 97% on Metacritic, making it the 13th highest rated game of all time on Metacritic. Um, so huge, huge resume for this game off the bat. Um, Obviously, a legendary game that most Zelda fans have probably played. Most gamers that, that have a Switch have played. Um, it was kind of funny. So this game is a, is a monster to tackle, right? So Matt and I have uh, kind of backlogged a few and made sure that we gave ourselves a full month to really play through the Zelda game, and it was still not nearly enough time to play. <laughs> I really got through it. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt, it, it was him playing it for the first time, um, somewhat... Some might say rushing through the game. Uh, some <laughs> might say that. Uh, it was my second playthrough. Uh, I played on master mode. I felt like I took a good, uh, took my time, got a good pacing, but again, still not enough time. And we have Jiggy here who has 100% of the game. On master mode. <laughs> <laughs> on master mode. It's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah and I, I want to hear, uh, first, I, I, I want to hear Matt's takes on it initially. Uh, Quit. We, we just like to do some initial thoughts, and I just want to hear what he has to say. And then, man, I really want to get to those master mode thoughts, 100%ing master mode. What do we think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, so uh, that's why I was really excited for this conversation because we have you know three people on this episode today, and each of us, I think, have a very different, well, for one, relationship with the Zelda series as a whole. This is actually my first Legend of Zelda game that I've ever played. Um, wow. Shocking considering how long I've been yeah. gaming. Yeah, I know. Um, and I also definitely rushed through this game to get it done for the podcast um, and didn't really, I guess, give it its full um, amount of time maybe it deserves. But for me, the, the thing that I found most interesting about the game was just in general kind of the hype surrounding it and kind of the expectations it gave me for the game. And 
I think a lot of that hype comes from the people that have, you know, put 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours into the game. And then coming from the guy who just put like 20 or 25 into the game, maybe just to get through it. I think I have a very different take on it, which we can get more into later. But regardless, I mean, it's a very good game. It's a massive game. And what they wanted to do with this um, entering the series was kind of like really rethink how you know, they present the Legend of Zelda and how it's kind of played. And I really think they uh, executed on that for sure. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you. Um, there is something to be said about um, open world games and their main storyline versus all the content in the world. It's right? incredibly nonlinear. Yeah, it's like you can go fight Ganon right Which away. Which is interesting because even, even big open world games like Red Dead Redemption or something, it's still the story itself is still linear. Like, yeah, it's open world, but you still have to proceed through things in a direct way. Whereas in this game, it's you get to choose how you experience it and the order you really experience the story, which is good. And I think maybe, at least from my angle, can maybe contribute to a couple little shortcomings, but we can get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just some of my initial thoughts. Um, really, this playthrough around, it was cool playing it on Master Mode. Um, and Jiggy, I really want to ask you more opinions on that in a little bit. Um, Master Mode was a really cool extra challenge to have around. Um, for those of you that don't know, most things will kill you in one or two hits in master mode. Um, you have to play very, very uh, perfectly in some parts. Um, <laughs> the Great Plateau has a Lionel on it. For those of you that have ever played the game, the Great Plateau is the, the very beginning. And there's a Lionel that'll just completely destroy you in one area of the of the Great Plateau. Monsters can like, they're on these little flying platform things and they shoot, like, they shoot arrows at you. Um, it's overall just a, challenging way to play the game. Um, but I do have some critiques on it that um, I want to run by uh, Jiggy here too. Uh, mostly on like just the grindiness of it and how you just have to play the game differently. Um, but it's not necessarily inherently challenging. Um, just a few preview thoughts there. But um, yeah, I think for me, the second playthrough of this game was uh, interesting because I, I learned a lot more about the game, uh, like kind of the core of it. Um, like. I think the first time I played this game, the discovery aspect was the most amazing part. Like I took my time, I played the game over like a three month period, I played it in bed, I played it at, on, at work, I played it like on my TV at home. And I mean, finding like the spirit horse, king of the mountain, doing like the dragon stuff, uh, like just running around and finding all these random little surprises everywhere in Hyrule. That was to me the most value part, valuable part of the game. Um, which of course you don't really get all those surprises on the second playthrough. Um, the second playthrough for me was felt like I was more optimizing things and uh, it, it just didn't have that wonder, I guess. Uh, but yeah, just some of my initial thoughts. Uh, Jiggy, what'd you think? So it's funny. It, it's I, I did not know. Matt, that you've never played a Zelda. <laughs> I, 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 I know. When, I remember when we asked you what we were going to play, he's like, oh, have you guys done Breath of the Wild? I was like, ah. <laughs> it's, it's so, that's actually so interesting. And I actually am so interested to know more about what you thought about this game, even though you, you spent 25 hours or whatever on it. Because I, I think that what's amazing about this game is that you can spend 25 hours on it, or you could be like me and spend i think on my most recent which was the the 100 percent uh i think it was like 297 hours oh or something God. like that oh just and that was on my my that was my third playthrough i think what 10 11 days almost oh yeah <laughs> but over <laughs> the course of days. a very long time yeah, um, yeah so it's it's crazy and it's something that i think about all the time this game is almost four years old it's almost yeah. this yeah. march it'll be four years old um and the fact that it still is considered to be like the definitive if you own a nintendo switch you have to have this game it's crazy you like i'm not saying that there are other games that aren't system sellers or uh system drivers but nintendo really and it was delayed i think it was delayed four or five times uh breath of the wild um it was supposed to be on wii u yeah. if i remember and then it became a launch title for switch yes uh, right? but yeah. originally i think it was supposed to be like a wii u launch title um yeah <laughs> oh for real wow. yeah they announced it i think in like 2013 that they said they were making a, a, a zelda game for wii u um so not a launch title but like midway through 
Um, and it just took them forever because they wanted to get it right. And in my opinion, they did. Um, yeah. So as uh, from my initial point, and I remember this because it was uh, a very, very crazy day of my life, which was when the Switch came out. Um, Breath of the Wild was such a breath of fresh air, something that we all did not really know we wanted. I think that the in the world of the Zelda fans, I'm sure, uh, Lucas, you might agree if you've played other Zelda games, it's very different, you know? Yeah. It's not completely. a cut-and-dry linear game where you go and you find some magical item and you use that on the boss inside the dungeon, like Twilight Princess or The Wind Waker, which are also really great games, but... Which it, Matt should play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where Breath of the Wild felt like they just kind of dropped you in and said go. And as somebody who loves games like Skyrim or games like uh, Fallout, uh, New Vegas in particular, um, I loved that sense of I can do whatever I want in any order that I want. Right. But I didn't think that they sacrificed what made, I think, what Zelda Zelda really good, which is the, the characters, the story, and the, the world. They didn't sacrifice that. The world was just pushed more. Um, so I... I love the game i actually uh played it you know for the first time on stream and on normal mode then i did uh did it for uh zelda a couple times and then um i did my 100 percent world you know uh master mode thing um and so going off of what lucas said what, what are my thoughts on master mode uh yeah. it's really interesting because master mode feels very much like a second thought to nintendo um you do not need the game is hard enough without it. You you do not yeah. need to play it on master mode. But if you want a challenge and you want a challenge that pays off, master mode is where it's at. So so that was my question to you actually. Um cuz cuz like when I'm playing through master mode, I feel like there were moments where I could just stock up on like hardy like turnips and durians and like just a lot of food and I can power through a lot of parts of master mode right and like if you just go exploring right away and get like a ton of shrines you could actually beat a lot of zones relatively easy without like having to worry too much about the one hit kill thing because you could just overheat you could just heal so much mm -hmm. so yeah that was like kind of my thing where it was like okay like it the combat's riskier there's not necessarily more mechanics in the combat it's just riskier to fight things mm -hmm. in which case you just need to get more food that was my only like, okay, this is more challenging, but in a it, not in like a more depth kind of way, but in like a more of an, an annoying, <laughs> I have to die a lot kind of way. Sure. What do you think? So uh, in master mode, the way it works is is enemies regenerate health, obviously, um, and mm -hmm. every enemy in the game is upgraded to the hi the higher tier. So right. the way it works is, I think there are three tiers of enemies, maybe four. In the game, mm -hmm. um, it would be like a red bokoblin, a white bokoblin, a blue black bokoblin, and then then a white gold one. Oh yeah, gold yeah, one. The, yeah, the, yeah. Um, so basically, on the great plateau, which is the starting area, you're instantly upgraded to the blue guys. The harder they have, more health, they hit heavier, um, all the way. Um, so it's one of those things where they they do that, but they also reward you more, like. What I, my biggest issue with, I think, the uh, playing the game originally, and I'm sure Matt might be able to chime in on this, was that when you, you finding really cool weapons and items is rare. And it's one of those things where you're kind of a lot of the time stuck with a basic sword or a basic shield that break after a couple hits. A broken club or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's actually... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say like that's kind of like one of more of my sore points with the game because when I first realized like okay weapons um, get um, the the shatter or break pretty quickly I was like oh there must be like some sort of like workbench or something where I can go fix some or, that's like, what I thought too maybe on some my way first... to upgrade them in general and I was just I remember I texted because I was like hey yo where's the workbench he's <laughs> <laughs> like. Because like, every every no other workbench. every other open world game that has durability would have some sort of workbench mechanic, but Nintendo's like, nah, this is different. Go get the Master yeah, Sword, bro. Yeah. Just, just go. Yeah, you got to go up there. Yeah, <laughs> and even the Master yeah, it, Sword breaks. It does. It does. Yeah, it was really only annoying in the beginning for me because, like, at the beginning, pretty much everything you find is really weak. But then, as you get farther into the game, you find at least from the monsters you kill, like 
generally at least decent weapons or it's pretty easy to get like a guardian sword or something like that so it wasn't as i guess um annoying later on it was just a mechanic i personally am not that uh used to but going off of master mode so again i didn't play this game in master mode this is my first time playing through and i played the normal mode which wasn't terribly difficult it wasn't easy either um I want to know from someone that's played Kingdom Hearts on Proud Mode, what's harder, this game on Master Mode or Kingdom Hearts One on Proud Mode? Kingdom Hearts. Or did you ever play them on Critical? Kingdom Hearts yeah. on Critical. <laughs> I, no, really? I played, you played it, it on Critical. I, okay. I played yeah, yeah, it on whatever the hardest did. difficulty it was, and it just <laughs> felt like. Believe me, it Kingdom Hearts felt like they did not. I mean, I also played it. That was my first time. So yeah. I never played Kingdom Hearts, but I played it on the hardest difficulty that they. So it might have been proud. I don't know. Whatever the basic one is. Um, yeah, I I legitimately felt like the developers did not realize what they have done, and they just did it. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Could. I think you might have played it on Primo if it was your first time. Yeah, I think yeah. you have to do one playthrough to get critical. Even Primo is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. <laughs> I remember a little tangent on Kingdom Hearts three. Once I did my first playthrough, I tried to play it on critical. And like I, I couldn't get past the tutorial. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did two. I did two on critical for the. Did, you know, yeah, oh yeah, it's so yeah. hard. For those um, of us that do not know Kingdom Hearts, what is that like? The second highest or highest? Yeah, difficulty? so it has like um like an easy. I forget what the easy is called. Like standard, then yeah. a normal, then proud, and then critical is the highest. And critical can. It's like a new game plus. Kind. Of, it's not like there's not really anything added on, but it's, it's just like really the harder. hard. Just like uh-huh. <laughs> really hard. hard. It <laughs> sounds ridiculously hard. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, <laughs> question for Lucas? Did you happen to do in your and pr- your uh, not proud mode? Oh my god, your master, <laughs> master. mode. Playthrough, did you happen to do the trial of the swords? No, I I heard trial of the sword is ridiculously hard. They didn't though, on change master it. Mode. That's the thing. Oh really? So they. It's funny when you think about it. They did not change anything about trial of the swords for master mode. The difference is uh, other than that they upped the level of the enemies. The- yeah, um, but they didn't realize that it totally breaks the the entire food system, the weapon system. Oh. So it's stupidly hard. Wait, so what is it? What's so, the what's the I forget Trial of the Sword. So Trial uh, of the Swords is upgrading the Master Sword to do more do more damage and, and have more durability. Um, uh-huh. And by what you do is you go into like these challenges where they remove all of your stuff, all of your food, all of your weapons. And you just have to make it through these this gauntlet of challenges by collecting weapons and, and food in them. But so okay. it's great and awesome and really, really fun on normal mode because they give you enough <laughs> weapons that you can kill the enemies and they can they give you enough uh, food to that you don't get destroyed. But yeah. what they did was in master mode, they upgraded all the enemies, obviously, but they didn't give you more weapons or food. So basically you're fighting. You don't have enough durability. Yeah, you to don't kill have them. enough durability to get through it. So it's such a challenge and a grind to the point where there were, were moments. I think I I think I rage quit stream maybe four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so hard that there basically like I had to cut down trees and cook the trees to get the charcoal that gives you a quarter of a heart of health. Because I did not have enough to get through it. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, yeah that's so. So you a part of hundred percenting on master mode was getting through the trial of the sword. Then yes, yeah, I had to do both DLCs on on uh, master mode. Oh man, Jesus Christ. how many Korok seeds are there total? Nine hundred. Nine hundred. Yep. And how many shrines? Oh, uh, hundred something. Hundred forty. Hundred, maybe more. I don't know. Do, do you feel like you appreciated the game or liked the game more after your 100% playthrough of Master Mode? Or was it more just like a grind, let's get it done type of mentality going in? I mean, there were moments when it was like a grind. But to be honest, it, it actually leads back to what you were saying, Lucas, about how Breath of the Wild is all about that exploration and that that fun. And I'm sure, Matt, you experienced that in your first playthrough, um, just like finding those new locations. And what I loved about that that 100% was the fact that I just kept discovering things every stream that I've never, yeah. ever known about the game because the way I did it was I, I did it like region by region that I go uh-huh. through and I get all the shrines, all the Koroks, and I find all these like mini side quests that I was like, that's in the game? When did that? <laughs> when did they add that? Right, yeah. 
that's like such a fun feeling too when you replay a game and even if it's something as simple as like the new dialogue option like we recently did oxen free and doki doki and i had played both those games before and doki doki is one thing but oxen free 2 is like one of my favorite personal narrative games and i was still discovering like new dialogue options and stuff and i've played through it like three or four times so that's uh i definitely see where you're coming from on that yeah yeah yeah, yeah man um really quickly jay i want to kind of run by you so one of the things that was so great about the game was how nonlinear it was and kind of what you touched on previously was that um the fun in the game is really just exploring it right and kind of going around and seeing stuff and i i totally agree with how, like the most fun i had playing this game wasn't me doing any particular story beats or hitting any story points it was literally just traversing from like each domain to each different area and just kind of like seeing what i found along the way and stuff and like randomly talking to like beetle at the um horse stalls <laughs> and stuff like that um and you you kind of earlier praising the story and what i want to get your opinion on is do you think to really appreciate the story in this game, do you think it's important to have a previous background on Zelda games in general and kind of like the lore and stuff surrounding that? Because for me, again, it's first Zelda game, so I have a kind of interesting, I guess, um, take into this. But one of my critiques about the game is when, it, when you have an open world game like this, especially when it's so nonlinear, in my opinion, you need to have a very strong underlying narrative and very strong underlying story to still keep things cohesive and to keep the player engaged in the story and invested in the characters. And you mentioned Fallout New Vegas, which I think is a great point because I, I love that game as well. And that's a nonlinear game as well with how the story progresses. And I really enjoyed that. And I felt like very invested in the story in each of the individual characters, like Mr. House or like each of the individual factions and stuff like that but with this game i really wasn't able to get that invested into the story because i kind of felt like it even with like looking at the memories and stuff i still kind of felt like it lacked general character development and really like introduction good introductions and good kind of understanding of the villains and stuff because like all we really get about ganon is calamity ganon bad guy <laughs> shows up every hundred years or whatever we got to stop him. Like it, maybe I missed something, but I don't even think he has any like dialogue. And to my under, and again, maybe this is me just not understanding the Zelda series as a whole, but like I was under the impression that he's like this big bad, like that is always kind of coming back and like kind of a pain in, um, in Link's side and stuff like that. And maybe I'm just kind of <laughs> basing my impressions of Ganon based off of what I've seen from him in Smash Brothers. Cause that's my only previous exposure. But I, I kind of just kind of want your opinion on that. If you think, if you really think that the story itself without context to previous Zelda games supports the nonlinear format, because for me, it didn't to uh, support it that well. So it's, it, you don't need to have any prior knowledge of, of, of Zelda in order to experience this game and to enjoy it. Um, but it's one of those things where the, the Zelda lore, and I am no expert on this. I, I believe me, people will, will ask, um, there's basically both Zelda, Link, and Ganon are basically reincarnated over and over and over again in this never-ending battle of good versus evil. Um, but in reality, uh, the the game itself takes place a hundred years after this Great War, which was right. like thousands of years after any other Zelda game. Um, so it's one of those things where even I going into it did not know what was really going on. Um, okay. And it's something where it kind of I, I understand why you don't have that connection or why you maybe didn't get the connections to characters like Sidon or uh, Rivali or any of the champions, the three, the three or not three, four, four champions. Um, it, it's one of those things where you kind of have to um, you kind of have to experience the worlds they live in a little bit longer and kind of talk right. to um talk to the the NBCs and try to do a little digging and then there's yeah. this amazing 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 um DLC called the Champions Ballad uh and I don't mean to be a Nintendo ad right now but <laughs> probably something that should have been in the main game because it really builds on both uh you know all of the champions with Mifa or Urbosa you know Rivali all those guys all the champions um and it really pushes them. And then now uh, I know that this is this this podcast is coming out before it comes out. 
but yeah. there is a game that is specifically coming out uh, at the end of this month um, that is probably going to it's telling the story of that 100 year war and will probably build on those characters even more so I don't right. think that Breath of the Wild itself was meant to give you character development and closure and you know push uh, pushing for individual characters I think it was really meant to be character development for Zelda Link and uh, just the world of Hyrule of it, of itself, and I yeah and, so yeah I'm sorry. Oh no, so it's more of like um, a franchise builder, I guess. Is that like a good way to sure. look at it? Or like we a, don't know. I mean, no, we know there's it's coming out, but it's one yeah. of those things where in my connection was not more with it wasn't really with individual characters. I liked individual characters like you know uh, Sidon and and Mifa and the you know Revali. Um, but it was one of those things where I really just wanted to know what was going on in Hyrule, the world itself, what was game okay. doing to it. And it, it gave me more hope by the end of it um, that, I mean, there's a really great side quest that I don't know if you did, but I bet Luke did, which is called Terrytown. Love Terrytown. Terrytown is such a great side quest because it brings all of the different species together into one like town, basically. That you help build. Um, yes, that you help build. And it just that gave me that like growth of of Hyrule. Just even the the smallest little bit. And I, I like that. And that's something that I hope that eventually we'll get more of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just Zelda, I mean, I, I feel exactly the same way, Jiggy, pretty much everything you said I agree with. But there I think there's something to be said too about like knowing like having gone to the Goron Death Mountain place in Ocarina of Time and having seen the Goron tier like these species always exist in Hyrule and it's always great to see a new take and a new iteration on their towns, the way they live. And Matt, I think you might be missing a part of that context since you've never played any other Zelda sure. game, you know? Um, and this isn't built, this is its own independent story. Every Zelda game is its own contained story that has elements of sort of the Hyrule Historia, as they call it, which is like each Zelda game takes place usually thousands and thousands of years apart from one another and right. link lincoln and zelda are just kind of three souls being uh, in this eternal struggle like jiggy said um but yeah i mean you you don't you can experience each zelda game on its own but it's always great to see the elements of the races um like certain types of equipment there's since ocarina of time there's always been like ice fire arrows and and all that stuff so that's some like zelda staple um the i don't know if you got it but the hero shield um, the, Hylian Matt, which shield? Is, the Hylian shield yeah in the dungeon of the castle I'm not sure if you got that shield but it's basically an indestructible shield <laughs> it's the best shield in the game yeah. and um, it's it's Link's shield right so there's and the master sword's always the master sword so there's always these elements that kind of play in and I mean Jiggy yeah it's awesome to see everything kind of get solidified in this thing where we always we heard the ter term I think Lanayru in Twilight Princess I think that's like where I first heard it and then it's like an established geographic area in this game and you're like oh that's where Lanayru is so right? like, Lanayru is a goddess uh from if you go back and play a game called skyward sword which is the first of the whole it's actually, the first chronological yeah, zelda it's yeah. it's one of those things where a skyward sword kind of pushes the lore to the limit when it comes to uh uh that and that's where you meet the origin of ganondorf and the origin of ganon and, and as demise the character the, the big villain from that game and uh it's weird it's weird because i'm trying to prove that to matt that you don't need to play other games <laughs> bringing it back that yeah, yeah. other games really add to it okay yeah they, yeah, they yeah. do they, they do, do for well, sure <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this then so like I, I let me preface i'm being critical but i still think it's a good game and i like i mentioned i was definitely rushed playing it because we did you know need to get this done for the podcast too so even now i may go back and play it more because like Terrytown sounds awesome. Lucas actually mentioned that to me earlier today, saying like, "Yeah, man, you, you didn't get all the good stuff." Um, <laughs> if you missed out on Terrytown, you missed yeah. out on the game. <laughs> so, I have a I have a question for both of you. So, I think the I think what makes Zelda a ten out of a ten versus maybe like a seven or this excuse me, Breath of the Wild a ten out of ten instead of maybe like a seven or an eight out of ten. I think what gives it that rating is going out of your way to do the extra stuff that's not required of the game so my question for you guys knowing as someone who maybe doesn't have have quite as good of experience with it at least up to this point just being in the game pretty like going through it 
pretty quickly. Is it the job of a game to still be like good and strong with just with the narrative and the main story alone without having to do all the extra stuff? Or is it fair for a game to ask the player to um, do all this extra stuff and ask more of the player to get that 10 out of 10 experience? Yeah, I I love this debate, actually. This is kind of a big one, like the main storyline versus the extras. Um, Jiggy, you can go first, man. So I am a massive massive advocate for for the whole you can do whatever you want kind of thing um as it's funny that you say it Matt, where it's like do they expect people to do it no but that's that's just based on what people want to do if you want right. to you could beat great plateau and then go and try to beat ganon right off yeah. the bat if you want to go and do all three uh, or all four, four of the divine beasts you can't you want to do two go do two you yeah. want to go and do Terrytown? <laughs> go do Terrytown. You want to go hang right. out and find Koroks for 200 and whatever hours? <laughs> that's yeah. what I love about it, and that's why I think it's a 10 out of 10. Not that it's a 10 out of 10 because, because of all the content or because of the story or because of this. It's because they let anybody and any, any person who loves video games do whatever they want. Play the game the way yeah. they want to. So yeah. it's more of a 10 out of 10, not because necessarily it the gameplay or like the thing surrounding it itself, but just the limitless, the limitless potential, possibility. the potential of the game is what gives it a 10 out of 10. I think it's on the same level as Minecraft. Minecraft is a game okay. where you can just kind of play it and yeah, there yeah. are people that go insane on it. Um, and it's one of those things where there, yeah, it's the limited possibility with the strongest backbone that ever is. Yeah. That you content. can have in video games. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, content to no, back I- it up. I like that. I like that. It's a game you could just play. I mean, at, at its essence, right? So you can just basically play Breath of the Wild for, I mean, forever, right? I mean, you can, 300 hours is a, is like years of play for a casual gamer, right? I yeah. mean, you marathoned it, but like, I could keep playing Master Mode probably for the next calendar year, all through the next calendar year and kind of just keep playing it. That's so true. There's so much value in that, actually. But what's crazy, and, and I'm just going kind of off what you just said, even though I'm 100% at it, and even though I spent whatever amount of hours doing it, I still find myself wanting to go back because of how addicted the d- addictive the combat is. And yeah. that's why I, I keep saying this. It has such a strong backbone from the gameplay that it's that it's worth it, you know? Yeah, once I did figure out like how to parry and like do perfect dodges more consistently, I was having a lot more fun with the combat. Because like in the beginning, I was just like, I don't know why I... This changed pretty quickly for me, but in the beginning, maybe it's because I wasn't used to playing a game. And honestly, I haven't really played that many games on my Switch, but I was just struggling with the controls for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I kept misclicking. Maybe I was just being an idiot, but I, I text Lucas, I'm like, yo, this game's whack, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's definitely one of those things that just took a little bit of getting used to for me. And the combat, I was having a lot more fun with it towards the end of it, for sure. And, like, being able to, like, you know, send a guardian laser right back at it with your shield and stuff was a lot of fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I do want to move on to, um, art style real quick. A few comments on that. Um, so, you know, uh, Jiggy, this is something, this is actually a specific category we jump into on every game. Um, the coolest thing about media, and I know you're, you're a film guy. I'm, I'm a pretty big film guy too. Um, the coolest thing about video games is that they can really choose to look however they want to look. And it's like always gonna, it's always something cool and different, right? Like the innovation of how a video game looks is so like rapid and like interesting and always changing. And sometimes you see styles that are like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Or like, I didn't even realize that that could be like a video game style. So it's a de- it's, its own dedicated category. We always want to make sure we touch on it. Um, I think... Breath of the Wild has a really cool art style for the game that it is, you know, like Zelda games have always changed up their art style over time. Um, Like I was never a really big fan and maybe it's an unpopular opinion, I'm not sure, but like the Wind Waker art style doesn't really work for me personally, but the Twilight Princess one does, um, which is like a little more realistic. And this is like such a happy medium between those two Zelda art styles where it's like, feels like cartoony and like painting like you know but it's also like has a touch of realism a little bit um what do you think i love this game's art style i agree with you 100 percent. and and it's something it's funny that you mentioned both the the two uh 
the two very vast uh, different yeah. games, which is Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Um, but then you also didn't mention Skyward Sword, where Skyward Sword is oh, entirely yeah. watercolor. It's a watercolor-based system, um, which or art style. Um, and I agree that it's really amazing, especially just looking at Zelda as a whole. Every game kind of has its own vibe to it, a, a different uh, art style, whether it be on the 3DS or the you know the 16-bit uh, Link uh, <laughs> Links uh, Link to the Past, um, and, or even the most recent uh, Link's Awakening on the Nintendo Switch, where it's it, it's like this weird cartoony uh, Funko Pop style. Um, yeah where it's very interesting and i think breath of the wild is like you said that perfect like weird medium of that it's realistic but it's also just beautiful and i i mean i i love the art so i don't want to get into the some of the stuff i don't like which is like i wish the game ran at 60 fps i, <laughs> I wish the game was 1080p and not 900p you know Oh, it's in 900p. Yeah, it's in 900p and then 720 on on uh, handheld. Handheld, yeah. Um, oh. So, I mean, obviously, that's just that's the hardware stuff. If you, yeah. I, you know, if you actually go and look it up, you can go look up. Uh, people have taken it and put it in, like, put the textures in 4K and run, run it at 60, and it's absolutely insane. Really? Yeah. Um, can I want to check that out? Yeah, you yeah, me definitely too. It's on YouTube. Uh, but it's one of those things where from the first trailer, which was in, oh, my gosh, it was like 2016, I think, the, mm-hmm. the E3 2016 trailer, you knew the game was going to be just a visual masterpiece with its yeah. art direction, you know. Yeah, I really love the, I think the lighting is just so solid in the game. Like, there are some moments where I'm blown away by the way the sun looks and the moon, like, just it's just phenomenal like a sunset with clouds over like a hill it literally looks like i'm looking at like some sort of artist like crazy art painting you know like i, I was gonna say of, i feel like i'm insane. playing through a painting yeah 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 it's uh i i love the art style. honestly it's my favorite zelda art style i think for sure um and i think singularly like you know each each generation the fidelity gets higher and the graphics get better so it's hard to really compare um like how twilight princess might look to this you know or skyward swords look to this but i think singularly like in one initial experience this blew me away more than any other zelda games art style ever has for me personally um really loved it yeah i mean it was cool and i read a quote too i don't know if it's from the like specifically the art director or the one of the game directors in general but his name was um, Akizawa and he was saying how like the whole theme for the game was to kind of revisit expectations and he wasn't really sure how to like I guess you know express that visually but he took that as an opportunity to really try and establish and then this is in his words like what would become the definitive uh, version of Legend of Zelda's art which is this something like from two people that have played the game previous games like do you think this is like the best kind of art style to base the future games around off of or do you think I think like so. any of the other do you think there's room for any of the other games to like make a comeback in their art style, I guess? I I think that this is pretty much like the culmination of a lot of different Zelda mm-hmm. art styles into one. Um, thereby making it sort of a definitive version of that. Um I, I love like the the darker brooding realism of like certain Zelda games. I hope they make a comeback more. But uh yeah, I could see why this is a culmination type of piece. How would you describe Twilight? princesses um art style jiggy you got that one oh it's twilight princess is one of the, is definitively like considered to be the most dark and grainy uh zelda yeah. game like looking wise like I, I, you could argue it's either the most dark uh or majora's mask is the most dark but yeah um in, in reality the art style of of twilight princess is just so it's edgy. It's it's it came out yeah. at this weird time, which I think you all remember. Uh, it, the time when every HD game had this like gray and brown coloring to it. Yeah, where it was I like, remember that. Like Call of Duty or any of those games were just like this. Everyone was going through their angst. Phase. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> there was no color anywhere. No color. Yeah. And Nintendo tried to. This is uh, Twilight Princess actually came out on the Nintendo GameCube, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a direct response to people like Luke saying, "We don't like Wind Waker. It's too much like a kids show. You know, we want yeah. HD." Um, yeah. So they they very much went with that trend, uh, and if you play it nowadays on the Wii U, and gosh, I hope one day it comes to the Switch. Um, yeah. Uh, 
it's it's absolutely amazing, but it has that more realistic ang- angular look to it. Um, and I think that they really, you know, moving moving off of that onto Breath of the Wild, they really did a good job of combining it. And it's something that, yeah. you know, Luke, you said that you, you went down and got the Hylian shield. Below Hyrule Castle is scary. Yeah, it is. You know? It is. So I'm kind of hoping that in 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 you know this upcoming the sequel, which eventually will come out, where that you know hopefully there'll be more caves and and underground areas, and we'll kind of more experience what that this art style can look like when it's more dark and when there's more ominous light. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too, Jiggy. I so you know I'm glad you brought up the sequel to Breath of the Wild. There is a sequel to Breath of the Wild being developed. For those of you that don't know, hopefully you knew that. Um, it got played at an E3 trailer in 2019 um, with a large degree of hype coming from me when I saw that. Personally, I really would love them to take the Majora's Mask direction on this one because this is going to be like sort of the same thing where you have Ocarina of Time, Masterpiece, like top of the game, like top of the family line of Zelda games immediately. And then like you release sort of like a sequel on the same platform with the same engine which is going to be that Breath of the Wild sequel, I want them to give it that darker tone. Like, give it a cool system, you know, make it, like, use that same assets and engine and everything because it's so slick. And then, like, just just give us that darkness that we want, you know? That's interesting, too, that you guys brought that up because, or, like, going back to Twilight Princess a little bit just because I, I realized, told a white lie, my bad. Um, <laughs> my, uh, I did actually play a little bit of Twilight Princess back in the day. Um, I think my sister bought it for our Wii, and I don't know why I just never got into it. I played like maybe the first couple hours, but I do remember that looking back at it, the art style is such a contrast. And like, I think Breath of the Wild is almost kind of like that grittier style, then combined with like, I guess, the more childish or I guess cartoony style of like Wind Waker. It's like they brought really did bring those t- together and um, to get like the best of both worlds and the best product they could. Yeah. If you played the first couple hours of Twilight Princess, you probably didn't even make it to the first dungeon. I was gonna say that <laughs> the, the Twilight Princess has a notoriously long startup area. It's like three, four hours. It's like three hours before you even yeah. touch a dungeon. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, my last it's, memory is just being in a town and like talking to like a random like thing that was following me around. Like, like I said, I'm a I'm a bad gamer. I oh, guess for not playing Zelda before. <laughs> Okay, but uh, definitely, okay. We, definitely some games worth going back and playing for sure. We forgive you. We Thank forgive you. you. Very kind. Cool, cool. All right, guys. I do want to move on to a favorite moment here. Uh, Matt, I want to hear your favorite moment as a first-timer. Yeah, so kind of going back, like like I mentioned, there wasn't really like any story beat that or like any particular moment that really stood out to me. Like getting to finally fight Ganon was cool and that kind of like cinematic-esque experience where like Zelda comes out and you're like firing the arrows and everything and he's like Dark Beast Ganon um, but honestly just the best moments for me were just exploring um, and just like like I mentioned my favorite parts of the game are just traversing and just the traversing in general I guess was my favorite moment I can't really pinpoint it to any particular one just because for me like I mentioned the story beats nothing hit that hard for me but just the experience of exploring this huge open world and like we kind of just touched on was like just kind of realizing how much potential there is in the world that was pretty cool to experience what about you jiggy i mean i i, I have to go with the uh, the exploration and the the little details that nintendo threw into every aspect of this game that i truly didn't get to experience until i was looking for 900 koroks but like you know <laughs> you can go in zelda's bedroom and you can find her diary and you can like go to Whoa. uh the the like a, a skull uh, a skull lake where it's just it's all full of tar and there's a korok that just happens to be really really high up and that exploration and the combat really just make that game for me you know yeah yeah i think for a favorite moment i guess singular moment right because i could probably say exploration too yeah. i completely agree with you guys um i think my favorite singular moment was um kind of on the great plateau on my very first playthrough of the game, I remember a very like particular point where I realized that you can climb anything. Like I remember when when that kicked in, I was genuinely blown away. Like because I didn't know anything about the game, I got it at launch. Um, I I made sure I didn't look up any articles about it. I made sure that I didn't know what I was getting into just because I was such a big Zelda fan. 
I remember there when when you're climbing like the wall the first time to get to one of the shrines. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm climbing this wall. This wall's climbable. And then you climb something else. And you're like, wait, that's climbable. I didn't realize that. Wait, that smooth wall. That's climb. And just and then you get the glider, and you're like, oh my god, I can climb and glide anywhere. And like you see a mountain over there, you mark it and you go climb it. And you're like, that that was a mind blowing thing. And I mean, it's crazy because I remember. I remember reading uh, an IGN post about this a little later after the game came out. Them talking about like, how are we going to settle for anything less than this in a video game, than this in an open world game moving forward? Like now, when you're playing anything, you're going to go like, oh, I want to see what's up there. And if you can't go there, that's going to be pretty sad. <laughs> like, I think this game really has changed my mentality about gaming and like big games after I played this because I'm like, well, can you climb everything? <laughs> I think that was one of the in like one of the interviews with them. They're just like, yeah, you can go there, and you guys see that mountain that's like, I don't know, all the way on the other side of the map. Yeah, you can go up there too. <laughs> I know it's, it's cool because you think stuff that you think is like just in the background as like a texture is like, oh, that's actually like part of a the mountain. game. There's little quest up there and some seeds, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what was really really cool. Yeah. So my favorite moment by far was just that realization that we're in a new age (laughs) we're climbing everything now that is a really good point to you mentioned like it really does as far as like just the explorability and how much freedom you really do have it really does kind of set the the tone for open world games in general and kind of the what's the word i'm looking for the the gold standard you know so it'll be interesting to see how other franchises and stuff respond in the future if they kind of stick to what they know or if they try and make something as explorable as this because like imagine if red dead you know, it was like you were climbing every random mountain you saw, you know, stuff like that. That'd be nutty. Did you did you guys play uh, Marvel Spider-Man? I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved that I game. Did, I did not. Yeah, so that game is very much, in my opinion, like Breath of the Wild, where, I mean, yeah, it's more limited to just New York, but you, you can basically go everywhere. And I, I really liked that they went with that. Oh, yeah, just route. just swinging around New York is, yeah. is awesome. And definitely stoked for the Miles Morales to come out when it does. So it's going to be right. a good one. Cool, awesome. Man. Awesome. So uh, final conclusive thoughts on the game, guys, and then we'll get straight to the rating. The the part that everybody wants to hear. <laughs> I'll start. <laughs> Go ahead. Go um, ahead. Good game. This conversation has actually made my opinion of the game a little bit better, actually, which is kind of interesting. Usually that doesn't happen right on the dot. Um, but I definitely think to really enjoy the game and to really get the full experience, you do have to kind of go out of your way and do other stuff. And you do have to make sure it's a game that you can't commit a lot of time to, because if this is just a game that you're trying to get through just to get through, you're not going to have the proper experience um, for, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of like the way the game is set up, but the possibilities and the potential of what the game can be when you really do put the time into it does really kind of give it a just phenomenal place in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for me, I think I agree with what you said, Matt. I mean, you just you need to dedicate hours and hours and hours to this game to really experience it. There's, it's so deep in content. Um, awesome game, just as awesome on my second playthrough. Um, although master mode was cool and challenging, um, I, I did mention earlier that I just felt like I had to eat more food, so I just had to stock up on more food in a lot of ways. Um, so I thought that was just not as... I wanted a few more mechanical depth to master mode, I guess I would say. Um, but still cool that it exists, right? Um, I think that I learned a lot more about the game in terms of the only the only currency in the game really is exploration, right? Because the more you explore, basically the stronger you get because you find more weapons and then you get more hearts and more agility. Um, I definitely learned that on this second playthrough um, where exploring was basically all I did first before I touched any sort of storyline or any boss. Um, overall, super solid game. Everybody needs to play it. Jiggy, you're up. Breath of the Wild is an experience. It's one of those things that I think that whether or not you're a really hardcore gamer or if you just are somebody who owns a Switch because you bought Animal Crossing, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's one of those things where you have to experience and experience it the way you want to. You don't have to listen to what we say. You don't have to listen to what IGN says. You, You just play the game the way you want to. And any way that you play, there will be a buildup and there will be a satisfying uh, experience for you once you, you know, get through it. 
I think that it's it's one of those things where it's very different than every Zelda game. Um, there are some people that really, really enjoy the fact that it's different. Other people that really wish they would have stuck a little bit more with more dungeons and with more stuff. But for me, in my opinion, it was such a great experience that I'm just really just more excited about what Nintendo is going to do next with it. You know, yeah. my most anticipated game of all time was Breath of the Wild. Now it's what's my most anticipated game of all time is Breath of the Wild 2. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those that. things where they did such a great job with it. And um, I, 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 every shortcoming, every, for every one shortcoming, there's like 20, 20 just amazing things that you experience. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I Definitely, completely agree. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So our ratings, our personal ratings, uh, we are each going to give this game a rating out of 10. Then we're going to add those all up and score it out of 30. Okay. Normally we do out of 20, but we got our awesome guest Jiggy here. So we're going to be doing it out of 30. And we'll, we'll have to run the numbers. We'll have to crunch them and figure out <laughs> what the real score was right after. Okay. So gentlemen, all three of us are going to say our scores on three. We've not heard each other's scores yet. Okay. Just want to confirm that. One, two, three. Nine. Nine. Seven. Okay. Wow. You gave it a seven. <laughs> I thought you'd give it a ten, Jiggy. I'm surprised. Nah, I thought you'd give it a ten. The game doesn't run 60 FPS, therefore it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's my rule. It's my rule. That's, That's a good rule. I get my yeah. eyes hurt after 30. That's just how it is. <laughs> okay. So we both gave it nines, and then Matt gave it a seven. That's harsh, man. Yeah, man. Uh, again, I think if I put even maybe just 10 or 15 more hours into it or it wasn't rushed to play it, I think I would have been able to give it an 8. I, honestly, just based off our conversation and Jiggy pointing out, like, kind of one of the best things about the game is just simply the potential of the game. That almost made me bump it up to an 8. <laughs> but I was like, no, nah, I got to stick with my original original thoughts. Okay, so I ran the numbers, guys. Figured out what it is. This game is 25 out of 30, according to this podcast, okay, which puts it at... 0.833 repeating okay <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a b minus that seems harsh yeah. for, for this Man, how many times did you lose to, to calamity ganon uh dude okay only like maybe two or three times honestly i got it pretty quick the one i struggled with was the freaking, thunder blight uh, the thunder blight yeah oh. I, it took me forever to realize i could parry so i was just trying to perfect dodge everything I just kept getting like destroyed, and for whatever reason too, when I, even when I did finally figure out I could parry, I kept like accidentally orienting my shield. Like I'd be facing the wrong way, and I wasn't locking on to him, so I was still just like dying. Like that took me like uh, just a lot longer than it should have. Fun fact: <laughs> if, if you use uh, Rivali's bow uh, with bomb arrows, it takes three shots to kill him. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's well, great. <laughs> See, that's the best part about the game is you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you yeah. can do whatever you want. Some of those bosses yeah. can actually be pretty easy if you kind of can can know the trick and like you can beat them up pretty quick. I saw a speed run. Well, that's one of the things too. Like quick. barring Thunderblight, and I think that's more of a me thing, just not knowing how to play the game. Everything, all the bosses were pretty easy. I mean, obviously Master Mode's a different experience, but the general experience, I felt like. And again, I think that's a testament to the game, you know, that the point of the game isn't necessarily the story itself, which is how I experienced it. It's what, it's everything else, like the potential of the game, so. All right, everybody, so that is all we have today. Uh, really quickly, you know, first off, big thanks to Jakey for coming on. I've been following your Twitch stream for a while, so it's really cool to have you on, especially as our first guest. So everyone, if you haven't, make sure you go check out Jiggy on Twitch. And really quickly, everyone as well, just want to encourage you, if you enjoy the podcast, if you think it's a fun way to spend an hour, um, definitely, if you can, go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and subscribe. You can leave a review for a chance to be featured on an episode. Uh, this week, I want to highlight DJ Schmoofy, who left a five-star review. DJ Smoofy says, the two individuals running the podcast are very absorbed within the video game world in multiple ways, whether it's retro gaming, esports, JRPGs, etc. Given their amazing personalities... It <laughs> <laughs> ain't my words, folks! <laughs> Given their amazing personalities and love for video games i'm beyond excited to hear what they'll bring to the table with thanks for playing thank you dj schmoofy for that wonderful thanks, review guys. and leave a review as well on apple podcast for a chance to be featured on the next episode yeah and and just want to let everybody know we will say whatever's in that review 
We will sure. say whatever is hey, in the review. Put whatever you want in there. We have to. Uh, them's the rules. We have to read. Yeah, it. that's that's how it works. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone. So that is all we got today. Uh, Jiggy, where is the best place for us to find you online? Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Where can we find you? Yep, I'm uh, at Jiggy11 on Twitter, and you can just go onto your browser and type Jiggy dot live J Y G G Y dot live, and uh, I'm live. 90% of the of the week like 90% of the time. yeah you stream a lot <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, awesome that's dope though I know it's like um like you really did create your own show like you mentioned yeah. earlier which I think is really cool all right you folks and if you want to if you have any questions for the podcast feel free to shoot us a email at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com again another opportunity to be featured if you have any questions uh be to be featured on the podcast and feel free to give us a follow on twitter and instagram at tfp podcasts that's tfp podcasts with an s at the end and then i if you want to hang out with your favorite uh host matt Moore online you can find me on twitter at good idea matthew and i occasionally once in a blue moon will stream on twitch.tv slash good idea matt probably gonna be streaming some valorant here and there with lucas Yep, uh, you could find me. Very similar tags there. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, good idea, Lucas. Occasionally streaming on Twitch, I guess not to the extent that our wonderful guest Jiggy is streaming on <laughs> Twitch. Um, but I am out there sometimes playing some of the games that we play on this podcast. So if you guys want to check them out, um, check out the streams. That'd be awesome. Um, other than that, I think we're good, Matt. I think we're All good, right, everyone. This has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Skip it about. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Royal Call Bunch, Red Circle, 